Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We've discussed the first ten nights, then the second ten nights, then third ten nights are for deliverance from the fire of Jahannam. Allah protect us all, inshallah. Just a few words about that and we'll move on to a different subject. That the, the uh, ideal for every Muslim is mentioned in Surah Al-Anbiya. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ سَبَقَتْ لَهُمْ مِنَّ الْحُسْنَى أُولَٰئِكَ عَنْهَا مُبَعَدُونَ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ حَسِيسَهَا That those people for whom Jannah has already been decreed and written, meaning there are some people who come into this world already equipped to earn Jannah. They're here only to return to Jannah. Meaning for them it's easy to have Iman, it's easy for them to do good deeds, it's easy for them to develop good character and behavior, and it's easy for them to be constant on their Islam. What is their affair? So Allah says that these people are far removed from what? From the other place. One place is Husna, which is Jannah, the best, the most beautiful Al Husna. From the word Ahsan, the best and the most beautiful. So the most beautiful place is Al-Husna, referring to Jannah. Right. So Allah has already granted them Husna before they come to this world in the Lohi Mahfuz. These people are far removed from the fire of hell, so much so that La Yasma'una Hasisa. They won't even hear the sound, the faintest sound of Jahannam, they will not even hear it. SubhanAllah. This is a maqam, and this is a darajah, and this is a rank that we should all be aiming for, that we don't even want to hear the crackling of the fire of Jahannam, which the Prophet said you can hear from 70 years away. You can hear the crackling of the fire of Jahannam 70 years away. But these people, for whom Islam is easy because it becomes their nature, not second nature, their nature. So for them, Islam is first and their nature is second. For these people, Allah will say, Allah says, they won't even hear the crackling of the fire. Far, far removed. Far, far removed. 
That is the height of being protected from the fire. As you read in that dua, وَقِيْنَا عَذَابِنَّا Save us, protect us from the punishment of the fire. So the sound of the fire is also a punishment. You have to understand the imagery that the the Qur'an affords because of the the pristine Arabic language. And you have to understand the imagery of the Prophet when he's speaking. Meaning that what is now the ultimate goal for everybody here, every Muslim, is that they must not just make dua, that Allah save them from the punishment of the fire. They must make dua. Allah save us from hearing the crackling of the fire also. So we're nowhere near the vicinity of Jahannam. That is what these ten days are for. That we must develop that level of awareness and consciousness and taqwa and crave to be close to Allah. Allah will not even allow the crackling of the fire to come to our ears. That is success. And what is the reward of that? Then they will have everything they desire. In Jannah, they'll have everything they desire because they did not succumb to their desires in this world. The haram desires. If you succumb to the haram desires of this world, then you have a lot of which is in these ten days. You have a lot of istighfar, which is in these ten days. In the final ten days, you must be so far removed from any action that leads you to Jahannam that you, you won't even hear, inshallah, bi-idhnillah, minhum, the crackling of the fire. Okay? So these were the last ten days. Now what I wanted to say, this is just so that we complete the cycle of the first ten days, second ten days. So summarize that now. There's another issue. And that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's above time. He creates time. So for him, it is eternally that he's forgiving people. When he's in, in each Ramadan, Allah liberates people who have been destined for hell 70,000 a night. So how many nights have there been in the 1,400-odd years that we've been doing this? This eternal. So we must not lose hope from Allah's rahmah for the ummah. As I mentioned several times before, the greatest disease in the ummah is pessimism. Losing hope. Losing hope in yourself, losing hope in the people around you, losing hope in the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So when you hear these ahadith, where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says the last ten days is now deliverance from hell, so who is he delivering? The first group I mentioned, 
they're already destined for Jannah. They're not delivered from hell over there. They're delivered from hell here. They're not, they're not going anywhere near Jahannam. So the group that is delivered from hell are the sinners. So that's why we cannot assume the ummah is doomed. We cannot believe the ummah is perishing. No matter how many sins the ummah commits day and night, and we all know how many there are. But you cannot make a judgment on the ummah of Muhammad wasallam. Why? Because the ummah doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Prophet You're not the shepherd of this ummah. You're not the caretaker of this ummah. The Prophet ﷺ is, and what's his greatest job? That in Ramadan, when he sits in Atikab, he's making dua for the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ. In Ramadan, he's much more generous than he is outside of Ramadan. And outside of Ramadan, he's the most generous person on the planet. But in Ramadan, he becomes more generous. How so? Because he is continuously begging, asking, pleading, in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, protect my ummah from the fire of hell. That's what he's doing in Antigraf. And when you talk about community service, try this. You can help people, you can feed people, uh, whatever. You can give them iftar, whatever. Which is good, we should do that, because that's the only thing we can do. But losing hope in the rahmah, in the maghfirah, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is kufr. That is pessimism at its worst. So we should not knock ourselves and doom ourselves and destine ourselves to hell. Because it's a disease, it's a cancer. And you, you don't crawl out of that. You remain there for decades, you may. So you start cursing each other as a group, as a community. Well, these people didn't do this. And this. Okay, they didn't. Okay. What's the ultimate outcome? The ultimate outcome is that if they're delivered from hell, they made it. And who's going to decide whether they are in hell or not? It won't be you. So let the ultimate judge judge who's going to Jahannam and who's not. You can't do that. Then you're playing God. And God doesn't like shirk. Then he won't forgive you. You understand what I'm saying? One is to reform the ummah, and you, you know, you have the, the path of indar warning, and you go on around, and you tell people, this is not right, this is wrong. That's Islah. Islah doesn't mean that you corrupt the ummah through your talking. That's not Islah, that's ifsad. That's corrupting. Islah means to improve, to better. To make things better for the ummah, that's called Islah. Okay. So when certain people are now saying things about the ummah, they're doing this, all this wrong, that is not with the niyyah of corrupting the ummah, that's the niyyah of reforming the ummah. That is different from actually believing that we're done. There's no hope for us, we're doomed. So maybe in your calculation, you may be right. But alhamdulillah, 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 
Jannah and Jahannam is not in our hands. We're not God. And that's why Allah says, Kullu antum tamlikuna khazaina rahmati rabbi idhal amsaktum khashyat al-infakh wa kana al-insan khatura. That if you were made in charge of the treasures of my Lord's rahmah, you would be stingy. You'd be standing at the gates of Jannah and say, no, no, not you. You don't deserve Jannah. Not you, not you, not you. The disease? What does Ramadan tell us? First 10 days of Rahmah. The second 10 days of Maghfirah. The third 10 days of deliverance from hell. And here we are. You say, no, the woman's doomed. So where's your spirit of Ramadan? You feed people, you do community service, and then, then you go on and on runs and you say, no, the woman is doomed. We're useless. Well, that's not for you to judge. You are, what are you doing? You're condemning the Prophet when you say that. You don't love the Prophet when you say that because the Prophet loves the Ummah more than anything else. He does everything for the Ummah. His job is not done yet. His mission is not complete yet. When will it be complete? It will only be complete when he takes out the last person from hell and brings him into Jannah. That's what he said. That I will not enter Jannah until that last person comes in with me. So his mission is to deliver people from hell and bring them into Jannah. And it seems that the Muslim Ummah's mission is to take people away from Jannah and put them into hell. That is what diabolical. That is satanic. That's almost like the judge. That you're so pessimistic, you just you just push everybody out from Allah's Rahman so we're doomed. Nothing's gonna happen for us. No. There's no doubt on the political stage, on the economic stage, on the intellectual stage, on the cultural stage, we're doomed. I agree with that. But Allah does not judge us based on this dunya. That's the point. Muslims are so myopic, short-sighted, that they want to judge everybody here in this dunya. But judgment is Maliki Yawmiddin. It's not here. So when you go forward, and you want to improve the state of the ummah, first of all, remember the spirit of Ramadan. First ten days, Allah's rahmah showers the ummah. The second ten days, Allah's forgiveness then gives another shower. And the third ten days, it is complete. They're delivered from hell. That's called what? Defeating the devil. That's God's revenge against the devil. What is God's? You know the worst day for the devil? Is in Arafat. No. So the Prophet asked him, the worst day for shaitan is in Arafat. Why? Because on the day of Arafat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives every haji. So the Prophet he rolls around in the dust of Arafat. And he's putting dust on his head. So the angels ask him, what's happened to you? Okay, you're roaming around like a lunatic. He said, my whole life and my whole career's work is now done. In one whiff, Allah has forgiven them their sins. And all my life, I made them commit sin. This is God's revenge. 
Allah's revenge against the devil, but then the devil gets revenge on the human being, especially the Muslim. What does he do? He makes the Muslim uh, say, we're doomed. We're useless. We're no good. And that's the myopic, short-sighted position of those who don't understand Allah's rahmah. Because you don't deserve Allah's rahmah, I mean the ummah doesn't deserve Allah's rahmah. Now, should we improve the state of affairs of the ummah? Sure. We should. Should we judge the ummah? No. You can't judge, not yourself, not anybody else. And definitely not the ummah of the Prophet because the ummah is his. We have to maintain the adab with the Prophet If you want the shafa, the intercession for the Prophet for whatever reason, you have to spare the ummah from your discourse, from your pessimism, from your anger, from your despondence. That's how you will receive the shafa of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet will say, oh, this one, he didn't like my ummah. He said things about my ummah. I'm going to intercede for him. You understand? So it is wrong at so many levels. It is corrupt at so many levels. So when we say that the, the, the ultimate goal for every Muslim at the very low end is to be saved from the fire of Jahannam, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does every day, 70,000 for so many hundreds of years so far. And then every last 10 days, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delivers all. Delivers everybody. Why is that? Because he can. Why does he forget? He can. What we have become, we have the Mu'tazili spirit. What is the Mu'tazili spirit? That every sin should be punished. That's their position. They don't believe in Shafa. No. Before them, the Kharijis. And they're even worse. So Ali radiallahu sent people, uh, an army after them just to destroy the Kharijis because they did not believe in Shafa. They did not believe in intercession. He said, how dare you? Now you're here to judge everybody here and the Prophet came to deliver people from hell and put them into Jannah and you're putting them from Jannah into hell? Who are you? You're playing God? So he killed them. He didn't spare them. He, spared, he didn't spare them because they had no mercy. They had no rahmah in their heart for other Muslims. They said that if you, if you commit a major sin, you're not a Muslim, you're in hell. That is the attitude of the Ummah today. So every critique of the Ummah is condemning, condemning, condemning the Ummah day and night, and that's their pastime, and that's their only job in life, is to condemn everybody. And what is Ramadan? I give you my Rahmah for no reason. If you sleep in Ramadan, I reward you. Even if you don't do anything, I reward you. As long as you know backbite, then it's okay. The last 10 days, I deliver all of you. Now who's going to challenge Allah's rahmah? No one. Just as you can't challenge Allah's punishment and anger, likewise you can't challenge Allah's rahmah. Because Allah wants to forgive. When we use the word ghafoor, ghafoor means someone who innately innately, by design, by definition, by nature, forgives. That's the word ghafoor. 
in this, these 10 days. He wants to forgive, and that's why he forgives. And human beings, they never want to forgive. They don't forgive themselves, they don't forgive their Allah. <laughs> right? Catastrophic, satanic attitudes. So with one riff, as the Prophet said, after the Prophet has done what he does, Allah will then turn to Jahannam and in one hand of his, he will swipe as many people that fit into his hand, Mubarak, and put them into Jannah. And how huge is Allah's hand? Allahu Akbar. <laughs> that you have no idea of the rahmah of Allah. Absolutely no idea. You're in a state of kufr. Total denial. No, Allah won't forgive. Okay, maybe he won't forgive you. If you have that attitude, why should you be forgiven? You're not in the business of forgiving. You're not in the business of accommodating anyone else in Jannah except you. That's that you're assuming you're going to Jannah. Which is another hypocrisy. So what we need to do and spread the word is that the greatest disease in the Ummah today is pessimism against the Ummah itself. And this pessimism causes you to be inert, causes you to be lethargic, causes you to be perverted. And the Sahaba, they weren't like this. They were aggressive. They were positive. They forgave everybody. And they made sure that other people were also saved from the five Jahannam. So they went out and so many people came into Islam. Because they knew Allah's Rahmah is there to be distributed. Allah's Rahmah is not there to be hidden in a closet. It's not there to be treasured in yourself. It's not there so that you're selfish with it. Only me, only me, only me. So my humble request is that spread the word. Whenever you talk to Muslims who condemn the Ummah and say, yeah, that's not true. You need to see somebody who can sort you out. You need to see somebody who can take care of your Iman. What you're saying is kufr. You don't deserve to be Muslim if you're going to condemn the Muslims to hell. We don't do that. The Sahaba didn't do it. The only of Allah, the, yeah, the, the only of Allah. Only of Allah, I mean, when you talk about the spirit of Ramadan throughout the year, you see it in the only of Allah. It doesn't matter what kind of drunken womanizer, thief, what kind of person comes into the suhbah of a wali, the wali will treat him as if he's the best Muslim. If you don't believe me, you're going to spend a few minutes with any of wali of Allah. <laughs> they won't condemn you. You can be the, the most radical rascal, completely useless Muslim. But when you enter the suhbah of wali of Allah, wali of Allah is a friend of Allah, he does Allah's work. So he's not going to condemn him for his actions. Oh, okay, fine, it's fine. It's okay. I'm no better than you. And that's not for play or show. That's the way they feel. They actually feel that way. They're not any better than them. So during the, 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 the uh, after the, you know, the, the uh, Genghis Khan and his hordes came and ransacked obviously, the Muslim world uh, and everything, and there was really very little hope for the Muslim ummah to come into, you know, any kind of reckoning again. It's a total disaster. You all know the story. The sacking of Baghdad and all of that. So a few, one generation later, 
There were Muslims there scattered here and there, in hiding in the hills then. So one of the princes, one of the princes, uh, who was an Muslim, he's from the family of Genghis Khan. He's out hunting. And they're hunting dogs. Obviously, when you go hunting, you go with hunting dogs. So he, he, he sends his hunting dog, and then the dog now starts barking at this one man, somewhere there in the woods. And there's one man is there, he's a Muslim, mashallah, and he's very apparently dressed like a Muslim. In, in those days, you knew when you looked at the Muslim, he's a Muslim. You didn't have to second guess, think, oh, wait a minute, maybe I should dial somebody and see if this guy's a Muslim or not. You just knew from the appearance, you know, he's a Muslim, because only Muslim dresses like that. So this prince now, wants to be holier than thou, comes up to this Muslim and says, you Muslim? So he says, yeah, of course I am. Now tell me, are you better or is my dog better? This is recorded in history, documented. So the Muslim guy, mashallah, alhamdulillah, said that the, the wisdom they had. So he said, well, look, the truth is, if I die with Iman, then I'm better than your dog. But if I don't die with Iman, then your dog's better than me. So the prince was shaken. He said, what do you mean? He said, look, I believe that my salvation is in la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. If I die in that state, I'm better than your dog because your dog will die here, expire, and he won't be resurrected, I'll be resurrected, I'll be in Jannah. So I'm definitely better than your dog. But if I don't die with this code, then the difference between me and your dog is that I will go to Jahannam, which is the worst place to be, and your dog will not exist. So he's a better place. So he found that so profound. So he said, tell me more. Tell me more. So he told him more and more. He accepted Islam. That prince was the reason for the revival of Muslim Iraq, Muslim Iran, Muslim Syria. From there, you had these people who now came into Islam, and they're the ones who went, then went and ruled Turkey. You, you understand? Yeah. So this is a, when, the, when you're in the sohba of a wali, then the wali sees that, okay, we have equal opportunity access to Jannah before we die. So this guy might be a drunkard and he's doing everything that's wrong, and, you know. But I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to die and I don't know how he's going to die. So I have to treat him equally as if, you know, I don't know where I'll be and I don't know where he'll be. So when you sit in the sohbah of the wali, the wali will never judge. And that's why people flock to the people of dhikr. And they're attracted to the people of dhikr because they know that no one can judge except Allah. But obviously the catch is, you as a Muslim, you can't bank on that. Allah will forgive you. You don't know. So what do you have to do? You have to follow the Prophet And what did the Prophet do? He did salat, he did salam, he did zakat, he had good moral behavior, he was this, he was that, so you have to follow him. That's inshallah a sign that you will go into Jannah. But then the wali of Allah, the Sufis, you talk about these Sufis? Okay. Many people unfortunately have misconceptions and a wrong, completely wrong perception of the Sufi industry, if you want to call it the industry. 
which is now it is very commercialized. Right. So nowadays, what we need to do is make sure that you find somebody that when you're in that person's company, you feel secure about you. And you don't feel secure, insecure about you. And this person guides you towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He guides you towards the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those are the awliya of Allah. They do the work of the Sahaba. They do the work of the Prophets, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They do the work of the Prophets. And they do the work of Allah. What they will not let you do is inculcate pessimism. And I've seen it in my years when I've been with the awliya of Allah. And even now, in any awliya of Allah, I see they will not entertain a, a speck of pessimism. And I've seen them. People come and they'll come with these outrageous ideas. So the Shaykh inshallah, will make dua. I mean, they're ludicrous ideas. And they're stupid ideas. But the Shaykh will say, oh, that's stupid. You say, no. Inshallah, we'll make dua. Allah will give you barakah. Nothing negative to anybody. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates people who are negative. He doesn't like pessimists. Because the ultimate optimism is to be delivered from the fire of hell, and that is the opportunity we have in the last 10 days. So that we should take advantage of that, but it's the mindset. I'm not, you'll do your amal, inshallah, you look for Laylatul Qadr, Allah gave us all Laylatul Qadr, but I haven't worried about the mindset. That the Muslim Ummah, as they do Salat, Salam, Zakat, Hajj, they go for Hajj every year, they do Umrahs five times a year. But they're pessimists. They hate the Ummah. And they hate themselves. How is this going to lead you into Jannah? I don't know. So we have to be very careful that our mindset and our focus and our vision must be that we want every Muslim to enter Jannah with us. That's the mindset. If you have this mindset, you'll enter Jannah. And if you don't, then you'll be failures. And then you can say you're a failure because you are a failure. You don't have the mindset of a Muslim. A Muslim is truly dedicated to going into Jannah at any cost. And he wants every Muslim to go into Jannah at any cost. That's the Muslim who follows the Prophet ﷺ. Anyone who does anything less than this is not following the Prophet ﷺ. And if you don't follow the Prophet, I don't know which, which Islam you're following. So the message is positive. The message is optimism. The message is Jannah. And we should rejoice. We should be happy. That Allah has given us this opportunity in this Ramadan and many more Ramadan to come, inshallah, with Afiyah. Inshallah, that we, we you can now ask Allah to deliver every Muslim from the fire of hell. That should be the most important dua you make in the last 10 days. Then you see Laylatul Qadr. And then you recite the dua that the Prophet asked Aisha to recite. Aisha asked the Prophet what should I make dua for when I'm looking for Laylatul Qadr? What did he say? As for the greatest mansion on the planet. As for Rolls Royce. As for great food and clothing and jewelry. As that you have enough hand over your husband. No. Make this one. Allahumma inna ka'afun. Tuhibbul afa fa'afu anni. 
Allah, you love to pardon and overlook, so pardon and overlook me. One dua. And then they say, when you understand this dua, you understand the depth of the Prophet Sallallahu concern for the Ummah, because he was concerned not just for him, but also for his wives, also for his own daughters. He was concerned, as every father is concerned for everybody, mashallah, in the household. So he was concerned that if I ask Aisha that you must make this dua, he didn't even say, ask, Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana. He didn't say that. I mean, from all the du'as of the Qur'an, he did not give her a du'a from the Qur'an. He gave her one du'a. That if you're looking for Laylatul Qadr, you must make sure you are forgiven. That's how you develop the mindset of a true Muslim. A Muslim who wants to enter Jannah. That's the mindset. So anyway, Jazakumullah for being here, inshallah. So we make dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pardon us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove us so far away from Jahannam that we don't have to listen to its fire crackling and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us from the fire of Jahannam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us and protect us on the sirat, on the bridge, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to receive drink from the hands Mubarak of the Prophet وسلم, from the Holy Qothar and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to enter Jannah without any hisab. آمين يا رب العالمين وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه محمد وآله وأصحابه أجمعين برحمتك يا أحمد الرحمن الحمد لله